The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, July 25th, 2021, on the basis of Mark 6, verses 35 through 44. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Back in those ancient days of cable television, you'd be hard-pressed to catch more than an hour of casual viewing without suddenly being bombarded by the sad sight of impoverished foreign children drinking muddy water, sitting in shacks, and staring puppy-eyed at the camera with swollen bellies while Sarah McLachlan wailed in the background. And all over that, this soothing voice would read, For just three cents a day, you can buy this child's breakfast. Won't you please help? And as a child, watching those things, I certainly felt bad for those children. I felt like there was something that needed to be done about whatever I was seeing at the time. But even then, there just seemed to be something unwise, something imprudent about just throwing out my money into the ether for someone else to do whatever they want with after just a few emotionally draining seconds of considering their plight. Just didn't seem sensible, I guess even if the cause on the surface was righteous. And since then, I've walked away from many a panhandler a few dollars lighter, but whatever, I, whatever weight I lost in money, I made up for in bitterness. As I kind of stew in hindsight and think about all the little signs and tells that that person didn't really need my help, that they had sort of tricked me a little bit, tricked me out of my kindness. That's my confession. I often feel pretty bad about that. But it's brought me to the conclusion that the greatest barrier to charity, the greatest barrier to showing kindness to people, is not so much greed or apathy, but for common people, I think it's the fear of being taken advantage of, the fear of having your kindness abused. You know, you've worked hard for your money. You've worked hours and hours to earn your scant moments of free time, and you've worked for years and years to hone the skills that you've developed for yourself. You have. I'm sure of it. And so when it comes time to dole out that time, money, and talent, there's this reasonable expectation that A, you get to serve yourself first, that B, you get to decide who is worthy of that help, of that kindness, and that C, at the very least, bare minimum, you have earned gratitude for your use of that time, money, and talents. That's how we look at it. And that makes sense. It's very reasonable. No one flouted those expectations, though, more than Jesus. And no one was more miffed by it than his disciples. Because they figured that the people that they were serving at that point in the day had been served enough. They had gotten more than their just desserts, and now that was their time to take theirs. And it's hard to present that mentality as faulty to you because it's just such common sense to us. But Jesus doesn't play by those rules. Never has, never will. Instead, from him what we learn is compassionate contentment. That is, contentment in the service of compassion. And it's the compassion that he's shown us that makes it possible that makes it sensible. Now, our reading for this morning really has its basis in 
the gospel account that we read for last week. I really wish we could have put those together, but it didn't work out that way. Because hand in hand with Jesus' reputation as a worker of miracles, Jesus was also a drawer of crowds, desperate crowds looking for a cure, pious crowds looking for validation, and curious crowds looking for a show. And because each of them was looking for something in one way or another, they were not going to leave Jesus alone until they got it. Mark tells us that so many people were coming and going that day, getting what they wanted and scramming, that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have a chance to eat. And so out of kindness to his disciples, Jesus tells them, let's get out of here, let's go away to somewhere a little more desolate, a little bit more remote where we can be by ourselves and you guys can get some rest. So they hop in a boat and head across the lake. And, and even then, the, the utter disrespect for Jesus' time and comfort, the utter, the utter unconcern for, for what this man did with his free time led this crowd to run on foot around the lake to catch him on the other side, to take more of his time, to take more of his talent without giving back. And it was then that Mark tells us that Jesus was moved to compassion for these people because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, as people who had a leader who did not care for them. But the disciples at that point were tottering on the edge of their sanity. If they weren't going to find a moment's peace all the way out here in the middle of nowhere, they wouldn't find it anywhere. If they weren't going to find it At this late hour of the night, they weren't going to get it any other time either. And so, fed up with the crowds, fed up with their teacher's compassion, and desperately wanting to be fed up with real food, they come up to Jesus and tell him, send these people away. I'll bet they're hungry, aren't they? I I know I'm hungry. If you send them away to get their own food, then maybe, maybe we can get some of ours. And Jesus' response, crazy as it sounds, You give them something to eat. You feed them. Of all, and never before, had one of Jesus' comments seemed so pointless and so pointed at the same time. It was an impossible command. It was a twist of their expectations. It was the thickly veiled accusation of selfishness that they nonetheless saw through. And they responded accordingly with a question. A question that was really a statement, a statement that was loaded and, 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 and weighed down with the sarcasm of hangry men. Essentially saying, oh yeah, let's go out, let's go out and spend $14,000 on bread right now at this hour for them. You know, never mind that they didn't have that kind of money on them, they never would. Never mind that the local supply chain wouldn't supply that much bread, even if they did have that kind of money. What made that command so ludicrous to them was that they were supposed to do it for these people, for these crowds who had hounded and harassed them all day. You know, when's our turn to get some relief, Jesus? When is our turn to eat? When is it our turn to get what we have earned, what we deserve? And I think we understand that frustration. When we put ourselves in those disciples' shoes, we, we understand that without a doubt. I, you know, after a hard day's work, you deserve to relax. After spending your free time on others, you deserve a little bit of time to yourself. After a lifetime of service, you deserve to be served. And nothing sends us running for what we deserve faster 
than a job that we perceive as thankless. When the give and take of kindness seems to only ever mean that you give while others take, then the only reward for our labor seems to be not doing that labor anymore, finding rest from it, when we get to, to make the cutoff on our kindness. And that's where, we, that's where the disciples found themselves. And that's where we find ourselves, sometimes before we've even begun to offer that kindness, again, because of that innate fear of being taken advantage of, or that we get to decide who deserves our kindness. So instead, we do nothing. Or perhaps we cut our kindness short when we feel like it, and it's so hard to preach to you why that is such a sinful attitude to have, because it just makes so much sense to us. You know, when you give, you deserve to get, at the very least, gratitude. And those who get and get without ever giving that bare minimum of gratitude don't deserve to keep on getting anything. Both of those things are true. But now often, for the better, sometimes for the worse, we, we are predisposed in this country to insist on our individual rights. So much that the line between a right and a privilege keeps on getting blurrier and blurrier by the day. Now, I'll happily say to you that it is your duty as a citizen of these United States to insist on the existence and the preservation of your rights. But what if I told you that carrying out your calling as a follower of Christ means that you don't always insist on exercising those rights? What if I told you that knowing your worth as a child of God is not only for your pride, but for your peace? When compassion doesn't immediately pay off and when your kindness continually goes unreciprocated. Compassion, full-blown Christ-like compassion, doesn't mean denying that you deserve more. But sometimes it means being content with less than we deserve so that we can serve. It's the contentment in the service of compassion. Contentment that says, I deserve this, but you need it. And so I'll give it to you. Contentment that frees us to be compassionate beyond the bounds of human expectation when it's most needed. And it's contentment that we can only find in Christ. Now the disciples were missionaries in training. That much is obvious. They were following around Jesus, not just to learn from him, not to put a, another merit badge on their sash. They were training for full-time ministry. In fact, before this reading, same chapter, Jesus had just sent them out on little mini missionary journeys. And at the beginning of our gospel for this morning, they had just gotten back. They were all gung-ho for ministry. They had been doing miracles. They had been preaching the word. They had had success. In fact, it was probably that success that brought these massive, massive crowds to them. They had been feeling like they kind of shot themselves in the foot at that point. But the point is that you could easily look at this account and say that Jesus is training these disciples to, to instill that, sen that sense of self-sacrifice that they'll need as they go out into their own ministries after he's gone. And that's true. Everything they did was to prepare them for ministry. But to leave it at that would be to consider the product without considering the source. What we see in Jesus here, when we look to Jesus, what we see in him here is, is compassion that's more than a fluke of his character. And it's more than, than the kind of compassion that we're prone to showing where 
oftentimes it's just a, a hard decision that we force ourselves to make in the moment. But for Jesus, it's just who he is. If the disciples were hungry, their teacher was definitely hungrier. If the disciples were feeling harassed and hounded by the crowds, you can probably imagine how the one that the crowds were actually chasing must have felt at that moment. Jesus had every right to give these crowds their just desserts, which at this point would have been an angrily hung, we're closed sign and a swift kick in the back of the tunic. But instead, no matter what Jesus deserved, he was content with what he had at that moment. He was content with where he was at and he was content with who he was with. And from that inhuman contentment came inhuman compassion. Compassion that gave these people more than their just desserts. Not only to them, but to us as well. And what makes Jesus' brand of compassion truly Christ-like is not only that he's uncommonly kind, not simply that he repeatedly shows kindness to those who repeatedly abuse it, but that such self-sacrificing compassion is the basis for everything he does and the essence of his work as the God who redeems sinners. You know, before we ever knew him, Christ stepped down from his throne. He, he voluntarily gave up his comfort for a lifetime of service and suffering. While we labored and told and toiled for rest that does not last, for rest that can never last, Christ worked restlessly to bring us relief. While we hoarded and held on to the good things that we felt we had earned, Christ poured out all that he had to give us more than we deserve. And lest we should live these short lives in vain, he gave up his life for our gain. And so from the shortest soundbite, to the longest sermon, to the greatest sacrifice he ever made, Jesus sets aside everything that he deserved and lived content with that compassionate task that the Father had given him to do. Not because we were good, not because we were worthy, and not even because we were grateful for it, because often we weren't. But he does it because he saw our greatest need and he ran to meet it. That's the difference to me at least, between kindness and compassion. Kindness seeks something in the person that it serves. Kindness seeks to be reciprocated. Kindness seeks familiarity. Compassion finds a need. Compassion doesn't see the problem with the person. It sees what that person needs, and it meets that need. And so before we consider that, before if we're not considering the contentment that Christ gives us. It's very easy to frame contentment from a human perspective, to think that being content, even being content with very little, is dependent on or defined by how much or how little I have. Or to believe that you simply cannot tolerate any conditions outside the boundaries that you've set for your definition of contentment. And we do put boundaries on our contentment. We say this far, but no further. And that sort of contentment can be stolen from you so easily. It can be stolen by your circumstances. It can be mocked as complacency or just settling for less. It's, it's, it's a contentment that must sustain itself, but a contentment that's rarely self-sustaining. And what makes contentment in Christ unique is that it's the difference between settling for less and being settled in all circumstances. It has no boundaries. It has no fear because the grace of God can't be stolen 
or taken advantage of by anyone. What has been established by God's grace will be maintained by God himself because its goal with everything God does is to give the lamb who was slain the reward for his suffering. And so Christ-like contentment not only has the ability to act with compassion, but the desire to do so and the drive to do so for the sake of others. It's contentment in the service of compassion and compassion in the service of sinners. Through these things, Christ brought salvation to people. And through that compassion, we can bring that same Christ to others. So if you find your job thankless, remember that Jesus thanks you. If you've gone without certain comforts, certain things, and, 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 and even certain rights so that others may enjoy them, then remember that you're not just following Christ's example, you're following Christ. And if, 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 if it seems like your kindness is going out to somebody who doesn't need it, who's using it and abusing it, then Christ asks you to keep it up. Because eventually, they will need it. They will need that compassion. And in that day, in that hour, you will open a door for the gospel. And so Jesus prepares the crowds to be fed. And I love this little detail that Mark includes. Mark writes that he had them lie down in the green grass. He didn't need to include that it was green, but he, he did anyway. And and, he, and that calls back to a little detail that we had before. He, Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And so the Lord suddenly became their shepherd when they needed him most. And as he made sure that they lacked nothing, as he met their need, he made, their, he made his sheep lie down in green pastures to eat. He gives the blessing and he feeds his flock. And in doing so, he teaches them contentment as well. He's got manna and quail, fish and bread. None of these are the food of kings. But nonetheless, everyone had their fill, even the disciples. Now, Mark's account, lastly, doesn't include any reaction from the crowd. No amazement, no exuberant gratitude, nothing at all. But John's account, on the other hand, does include a reaction. John tells us that the people who had filled their bellies now wanted to make this magic bread man their king because he could feed them forever. He could make sure that they had everything they wanted. And they were going to do it by force. No doubt there were some, perhaps many, who believed in Jesus because of this miracle. But all the Bible tells us is that all it did was serve to reveal the selfish heart of sinful man. Miracles serve that purpose too. And so does compassion. That's what makes it hard. And that's what makes Christ-like compassion unique. It doesn't respond to what is deserved. It doesn't seek a reaction, but it responds to what is needed. And it springs from that example that Jesus set for us, but it seeks to be more than an example. By any means necessary, by any personal sacrifice demanded, by any comfort forfeited, it seeks to win souls for Jesus. Amen. Amen.